The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, we come into your presence, O God, with hearts filled with gratitude. Very appreciative, O God, of the fact that we are in your presence. Some would have wished to be here, but they are not, Lord. Some won't desire to come into your presence, but they just can't. It's a privilege we don't take for granted. Thank you so much for being here, O God. Father, please, reveal yourself in every life that is here in a way that they have never experienced you before. Heavenly Father, you're the one we've come to look for, O God. Every one of us. Father, please remove every blinding, O God, that makes it here today. Reveal yourself in everyone. Let your perfect will be done here today. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Let's be seated. Thank you, choir. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Truly, the choir has been awesome. I really, I'm sure that everyone that's here this morning counts it a privilege. I tell you, it's not often. I said this yesterday night, and I'm saying it again, not because... Um, I want to make Pastor Femi happy. He knows me better than that. But the truth is, it is not um, one of the, it's, it's not the order of the day to have a pastor who actually, you know, desires to know the mind of God and then to pull it down, to walk in it himself and to pull it down. It doesn't make the person perfect. Yet, the fact that the person loves God enough to seek to know his mind makes a difference. I thank God for your pastor. He's a man that loves God. He's a man that loves God. Praise the name of the Lord. So today, I'm here. I came with my Bible and everything because... I want to tell you this. Your pastor always makes me seem like as if I'm so old-fashioned. He wants me to be very, to be more aware. So, um, in the area of technology. So, I came last Sunday. I wanted to prove a point to him. So, I came, I, I said today, he will know that I'm very techy. So, I came with my phone, with my purse, and I said I was going to do everything on my phone. So I did, and I left. And he spoke to me the day after. He didn't mention it. I, I said, did you not see that I used my phone? <laughs> did you notice? He was, I said, could you not have noticed? Do you know what it took for me to use that phone? <laughs> so today I've reverted to my normal self. Yes. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Please, you would have to oblige me. Let's stand as we turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. We'll read the Word of God together, and then you'll be seated. John, chapter 4. Please, let's put King James on the screen so that we'd all be reading the same um, version of the Bible. We'll read from verse 21 to 24. John, chapter 4. Let's put King James on the screen, please. Okay. 21 to 24. Let's read together. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jew. But the hour cometh And now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Heavenly Father, we thank you once more, God. This is your word, God. Only you can make this word, give life to this word. Lord, I'm not even going to try. I don't know how to. I'm leaning on you completely. Do what only you can do in our lives today. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Please be seated. Today, I want to ask you a question. Do you know this Jesus? Do you know this Jesus? Do you know him or do you know about him? You know, there are many times a lot of people know about you, but they don't really know you. They don't know you. They haven't encountered you. They've seen your pictures. People have talked about you, but they don't really know you. When you don't know somebody, you've heard about him, you may not have the fact. Because from person to person, our relationships are different. So we would reveal ourselves to each person based on the relationship we have with the person. Many people talk about me that don't know me. They've never met me. They say many things. I, I, I personally have been in the midst of people several times that were talking about me and they didn't know it was me. So, many people talk about you. And you know the interesting thing? They talk about you like as if they know you. They, they, I, I remember once a friend of mine she walked into a group of people. They were talking about me in her office. I've been in that office a number of times. So when they finished talking, she said to them, she asked, she called one of them, who knows me? She said, do you know who they are talking about? And he said, yes, he was going on, going on. But they were talking about Pastor B. And he knows me as Benigo. So she let him talk. When he finished, she said to him, you are so silly. Do you know who this person is? It's Bemigo. He said, no, it's not. She said, shut up. That's the same person. He was in shock because he, they were talking about two different... He didn't even relate the fact that it was me he was talking about, but he was acting like as if he knew me. Brethren, my question to you, and I want you to think very deeply as you answer this question to you in your own heart. You don't need to tell your neighbor. Your neighbor does not have to know. One of the issues we have as believers many times is that we don't face the reality of who we are. Many of us live life for years without looking into our own lives. Because many times we don't want to face, deal with the reality of who you are. But the truth is until you come to that place, you cannot have the encounter that translates you, the encounter with Jesus that translates you. Even when you meet with him, you can't know him more until you begin to have these personal encounters with yourself. It's one thing to come to Jesus looking for a miracle. Jesus gives many things freely. There's it doesn't matter. The Bible says it causes the rain to fall on both the just and the unjust. All those things, are, it's like going, traveling on a journey and there are flowers on the way. You're just picking, you pick some as you go along. But there is the precious gift. The gift that enters into a man and changes the entire life of the person. I want to ask you, there's only one way. That gift is Jesus. Do you know him? Have you encountered him? Since that encounter, have you been growing in your knowledge of him? Has he left you and you didn't even know? He can leave and you will know. If you grieve the Holy Spirit enough, he will leave and you will know. And you are back to where you were before. But because you have never face the reality of yourself you don't know and you are going to church every day you are even a minister the most dangerous place to be is the place where you are reading your bible and when they say let us pray you pray the loudest but your prayer has no weight 
Do you know him? When he leaves you, your prayer has no weight. There is something about Jesus that gives joy that is undying despite your circumstance. This morning, do you know him? Jesus Christ was talking to this woman at the well. She looked at him. All she saw was a man. Who do you see when you look at God? Do you fear when you think of on him? The Bible says, Jesus said to this woman, you people, you worship what you don't know. There is a possibility that you are worshiping and you don't really know what you are worshiping. When Jesus said it, it means that it is possible. And you know what? The danger of Christianity is that you could have known him yesterday, but yesterday's revelation will not see you through today. Do you know this Jesus? Jesus is very interested in people knowing him. To know someone is to be acquainted and to be familiar with the person. Jesus, that's his desire. He, wants, he knows you so well and he wants you to know him. That's what prayer is all about. But people, if I say prayer now, you are thinking about what you want to get from God. But it's deeper than that. That's why God says that men ought, 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 that men ought always to pray. It's, an, it's a relationship, an ongoing one. Jesus is very interested in people knowing him. Jesus wants to know whether or not you know him. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I'll read from verse 13. Matthew 16. The Bible says when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. He saith unto them, the Bible says, But whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am? The thing about Jesus is that until you have that encounter with him, he cannot be revealed to you. So you can't really say you know him. You may know about him and you are building a life on your knowledge, on what you have heard about him. What happens when you're living that kind of life is that this faith becomes a burden. Whenever, if we don't have miracle service in three days, you have a situation. Church becomes boring to you because you're dealing with him. It's on the platform of what you can get from him. If, if we don't, um, if you are not called to the pulpit to say something, you begin to get uncomfortable. If you don't, they don't make you a minister quickly or you are, that work, you are the head of department, you have a problem. It's because you don't know him. You know about him. Even if you encountered him at some point, you have forgotten. You have forgotten. Christianity becomes a burden. It's a struggle to you. That's when you begin to say things like, hmm, hmm, when I was not a believer, eh? not that you say it to, see, to say that it is bad, but when you say it, we know obviously that you are saying, if not for the weight of this Christianity, I would have been enjoying my life. Since when did sin become enjoying your life? Since when? When you begin to feel like that, something has happened. Something has happened to your relationship with him. Many times we think because we say we are born again, we are okay. Born again is a phrase coined by man to describe a state. 
Have you seen you are born again believers in the Bible? If anybody has seen it, let me please signify. So that you just wake up and say, I'm born again. And then you go to this church. Doesn't change anything. Jesus Christ was very clear. That's where the phrase was coined from. Let's turn in our Bibles to John 3 and verse 5. John 3 and verse 5. Please put it on the screen. Please put the scriptures on the screen for me. I sincerely prefer to have the scriptures, yes. The Bible says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. This is one of those places where we lifted the born again um, thing from. Then I want us to look at John 1, John chapter 1. We'll read from 12 to 14. John 1, 12 to 14. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I want you to have these two scriptures at the back of your mind. The Bible, when the, so from, you know, when someone said to Jesus, how does a man, you know, um, then the man talking to Jesus, Jesus said, how do you then get born again? That's where we lifted this thing about being born again. He said, you've been born before. How do you get born again? And then Jesus broke it down and he explained to him how. The Bible says, however, that at the point where you receive Jesus Christ into your life, that's when Jesus was explaining, that's what it is. When you receive him into your life, you are now born of water and then of the spirit. The Bible say, tells us that at that point, you receive him into your life. The scripture we read in John chapter 1. What happens is that you receive power to become a son. A son is not one that comes to church every day. A son is not one that is um, a leader. A son is not one that is always on the screen. A son is one, according to the scriptures, is one that walks by the Spirit of God. A son is one who does what they do because their actions are instigated by the living Spirit on the inside of them. That's what Jesus Christ was talking about when he said to the woman that if you come to me, I'll give you water. When you drink it, you'll thirst no more. He says it springs from inside you. There is something that happens that transforms someone who invites Jesus into their life as their personal Lord and Savior. When we truly encounter Jesus, there's something that changes in your life. You have joy from the inside that's flowing like a river despite your circumstance and your situation. Your life ceases to be all about getting from God. Your life becomes about giving to him and him using you and he can use you anywhere he chooses you don't have to manipulate you don't work it out it's not you, you don't become political to get it as you love him and give him your life he begins to use your life in the way that he wants to you have to encounter this jesus for your life to change i want to ask you do you know him today do you know him today? Your relationship with Jesus is based on an ongoing revelation of him. Is your relationship with him dead? Many of us have relationship with church that is stronger than our relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with the church is so good. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying let it be born of a relationship with Jesus. Walk to the extent that there's something coming from the inside of you that makes you love to do that work. Let it not be because you want the pastor to see you. You can deceive the pastor. You are playing a game with yourself. That's the truth. You are playing a game with yourself. 
at the end of the day, God knows those that are his. Jesus Christ says in John chapter 10 and verse 9, he says, I am the door. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And find pasture. You will find pasture in him. There's only one door. God is not the problem of many people. Everybody knows about God. Everybody says, I believe in God. I believe in, you know, some people, don't, even if they don't call his name, they'll say, I know there's a high deity. There's a, a, a supreme being. But the rock of offense is Jesus. He's the stumbling block. That's where people fall or rise. Do you know him? Do you have an ongoing revelation of him? Has he left you? Has he left you? The truth of the matter is once Jesus leaves, or if you don't know him, if, even if you didn't, maybe you, you know, I, I spoke to someone once. He had been in, this is some years ago. You know, he came for counseling. He had been in church for a long time. He was a minister, an unordained minister. And he told me he had a problem. He came to see me about the problem. When he was done, I said to him, are you born again? He said, ah, what kind of question is that? No, no, no. I said, stop. I said, are you born again? He said, hey, of course now. No, no, no. I said, are you born again? Tell me why you think you are born again. By the time he was done, he certainly was not born again. But he didn't know. He thought that it was okay where he was at. He was in church. had been coming to the church for a long time. He reads his Bible. And you know, the danger of thinking that because you know all the scripture, you are born again, is that you can go on like that. But the truth is, you don't know what you think you know. Because when you read the scripture, you are increasing in knowledge, but there's no revelation, so you are not increasing in life. The Bible says the words in this scripture, they are spirit and they are life, but you can read it and get the letter of it. It takes God to reveal himself to you in his word for what you are reading that's increasing your knowledge to translate to reality in your life. If God does not breathe on this word, it will not make sense to you. If it seems like you are, you are knowing, you know it, you know, and all that, you know what? You become arrogant. Before they talk, you quote one. Before they tell you another thing, you quote another one. But God is revealed in this word. If you read the Bible with revelation, you will understand God better. The idea, the whole, the scripture talks about God. When someone who has encountered God is reading the scripture, they read it with a view to seeing the mind of God. As you rub minds with him in the scripture, you are becoming more like him. You are understanding the God that you serve more. In the scripture, God reveals himself as though he was talking to you. So you begin to establish a relationship with him and you become more like him. This scripture is alive. That's why it's able to engage you and then transform you. It doesn't just increase you in knowledge and you don't change. If you are not changing according to the level of your knowledge, something is happening that's not right. Something is not right. The Bible calls him the door. Many of us have been in church for a long time, but we are handicapped. Why? God is not revealed to you without you going through that door. So you are struggling. You want to be a better person, a better Christian, but you don't know how to. So you walk some more, then you struggle to be seen some more. Then you want to be a minister some more. You are just struggling. You keep, you are fighting. You have the desire, but you just missed the door. That's the only problem. And today, it can be fixed. 
Until you know him, you have greatly handicapped. Why? The word of God remains a mystery to you. It remains a mystery to you. And that's through the word that God speaks to you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 and in verse 2 that God had spoken in past times in diverse ways. He says in sundry times. I would really like for the scriptures to come up as we are mentioning them so that people can, yes. He says in these last days God had spoken, but in these last days, he speaks to us. How? How? Are you afraid to say it? How? Uh -huh. If you can't say it in the house of God, how will you say it outside? Uh, that's why some of us, when we go outside and they say, say you are a believer now, you can't say it because even in the house of God, your mouth is shut. So you just keep saying it. Keep saying it. So you can, you'll be bold enough to say it anywhere. So the Bible says, that's the only way God has chosen to speak to us in these last days. And then the scriptures tell us that the Son is the word of God. This word is what we have here. There's no other way God is going to speak to you. Anything he says, any way God speaks to you that contradicts this word is not God speaking to you. So, this is the only way he has chosen but until you go through that door, you can't hear him. The only thing you'll be hearing from him is his knock at the door that he wants to come in. The word of God remains a mystery. Let's turn in our Bibles to um, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10. Matthew 13 and 10. The Bible says Jesus had spoken to his disciples and he had told them a parable. Please, can you use the um, New Living Translation? The New Living Translation, thank you. So Jesus had spoken to his disciples. You, he had spoken to a lot of people, you know, and he spoke, a lot of the time Jesus spoke with parables. So on this occasion, his disciples, the Bible says, this was one of several times when they asked him what he was saying. The Bible says his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to people? Listen to his answer. He replied, you, that's his disciples, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. It is not given to everybody to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. Unless you are a disciple, and that is that you have gone through the door, it will just be story to you. So when he spoke to the people, the rest of the people heard it as a story. The disciples said, they went to meet him. They said, please, we know that there's more to this thing. Why do you like talking in parables? Jesus Christ said, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it is not. 13, he says, therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. He goes on to say that, in, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and you shall not perceive. It says, for these people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. The Bible says in 16, let's read 16 together. Let's read 16 together. I, for they see and your ears that's the difference when you walk through the door your eyes can now see and your ears will now hear it makes a big difference God and the things of God remain a mystery to those people and it's very sad when those people that Unto whom it has been given to understand, now begin 
to reduce themselves to act like the people that don't understand. The Bible says we are in the world, but we are not of the world. That I'm not exists that you are in the world. You have to live in this world. So it's not, I'm not saying you should live like you are in heaven. No, you are in this world. However, you will live differently. Why? Because you hear more than the world hears. And you see more than the world sees. So you, you, they just don't understand some things that you understand. And let me tell you, it is a privilege. Don't be ashamed of the fact that you are born again. It is a privilege. The Bible talks about the kingdom of God. It says it is like a seed, like a pearl that is put in a field. And because of that pearl, somebody goes and buys the entire field. Can you imagine because of that small pearl that they put in a huge field, somebody, it is precious enough for somebody to buy the whole field. Now, the problem with many of us is that the field will now forget that it's the pearl that has made them look for. When many people come to buy the field, now the field will say, ah, I'm very precious, and leave the pearl behind. Then you will find out that you are just filled. There's something... There's something about Jesus. I want, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7, it says we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. You are blessed that you can understand it. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, Timothy described the godly, the the um, Godhead and godliness as a mystery. It's not revealed to everybody. It's not. It's not revealed to everybody. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. Tell yourself, if you have lost him at some point, admit there's nothing to be ashamed of. If you don't know him, admit so that you can know him. He's so, he wants you so desperately to know him. His desire is that you know him. He wants to help you walk through the door. There's nothing to be ashamed of, you know, in acknowledging that you don't. Don't pretend that you do when you don't. That's why you are struggling with things you ought not to be struggling with. It's okay. And for every one of us that... God reveals himself to, I don't understand. You don't want to be in the midst of unbelievers because you are ashamed. You don't want them to see you as spiritual. So you stay away from them. You only hang around Christians. No, now. And then some people, if they say, oh, you are very spiritual, I say, no, I'm not, oh, please. You are spiritual. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You are spiritual. God is a spirit. God is a spirit. There's nothing to be ashamed of. That's who you are. Tell your neighbor you are spiritual. If he's ashamed, change your seat. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Don't play games with God. Don't play games with God. There's a difference between your church member and your Christian sister or brother. There's a difference. There are many church members, but God's desire is that they become your, our sisters and our brothers. Don't play games. It's not how far you go in the church. You can even preach and not know him. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He sees you playing that game. 
Many times when God is quiet, many of us think it's because he doesn't know. It's a lie. And sometimes the people you are playing the games with, they may even know, but God has not allowed them to speak, so they will be quiet. The Bible says, be not deceived. Don't get carried away in that foolishness. Today, he can come into your life. That's his desire. There's nothing, all those things you're fighting to be. Including even the, being a minister or even a leader. Why? When the Bible tells us that the ministers, the Bible describes them as custodians of the mysteries. How can you be custodian of what you don't have? Let me tell you a secret. Whatever you have not received from God is not your own. You are a thief. That's the truth. If he has not made you a custodian, it doesn't matter how many buckets of oil they pour on your head. You are scamming. There's no mystery in your hand. That's why you are playing games. If you like somebody, you put the person. If you don't like the person, you remove the person. Because you are... You, you, you are not keeping anything for God. You have no responsibility to him. You are playing games. When you see the person that is serious about God, you will know. A custodian is a custodian. It will show in the way they carry themselves, in the way they deal. In the way they deal, everything. I remember when they first told me that um, Pastor Femi was going to, he was working with me in prayer department. And, you know, I was told that I would have to let him go because he was going to um, start a church. I already knew in my heart. I struggled with it because I just didn't want him to go. It didn't mean that we didn't fight many times, so. But I knew that he, he, it was going to happen. It was apparent that he had mysteries, that he had taken his responsibility concerning being a custodian of mysteries seriously. And he had been given the mysteries to carry. God had revealed, was revealing things to him in his word. What are you ministering when nothing has been given to you? The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, it says, nevertheless, nevertheless, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, please let's put King James on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's read it together. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart. The Lord knows them that are his. It starts from somewhere. You have to go in through that door. That's where it starts. The Bible says the Lord knows them that are his. And it says, let everyone that names the name of the Lord do what? Let them depart from iniquity. You can't hide the truth from God. You can't. He sees all the truth. It's nothing is hidden from him. Let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Bearing in mind the fact that Jesus is also the word of God. He's the word. This is how he's described. Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. The Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword 
person even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I want you to think very deeply of the statement. You know, the Bible has told us that God is a spirit. So his spirit is everywhere. He sees everything. Jesus is a spirit. This is the word of God. A discerner of the thoughts of the heart of man. You can't hide from the word. That's why some people will say, eh, Pastor was talking about me. Eh, no. The word of God is reaching you directly. The Bible says it is quick. Before you are able to guard yourself against it, the word hits you. The Bible says nothing is hidden from the word. And it's a two-edged sword. It cuts. That thing you are trying to hide, that may be evil. He lays it before you in such a way that it may be painful. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts on both sides. And the Bible says it goes past joints, marrow. It goes through everything. That's why it's able to heal. He doesn't do one and leave the other half as he's healing, he's discerning the thoughts of our heart. He says nothing is hidden from this word. The pastor is just saying his own, just that is the word of God. So he's hitting you directly. But God has only one purpose in doing that. It's not to bring you pain. It's to pull you closer to him. When God brings us close to him, it's to give us confidence, to make us better people. It's because he wants to bless us and he wants to lift us up. In closing, I want us to turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We'll read from verse 5 to 19. I don't know whether you have the message version. I would like us to put the message version. Romans chapter 5. Okay. We'll read from five. Okay. Romans chapter five. Okay. The Bible says, in alert expectancies such as this. We are never left feeling short-chained. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generally, generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Six. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen, this outpouring of God's blessings. To make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. The Bible says he presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. Gone. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could aspire, could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Nine. Now that we are set right with God by means of this sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. That's what happens when you're walking through the door. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we are at our best, just think of how our lives will expand. This is what happens to the true believer. Their lives expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. 11. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship, if you haven't received it, I want you to know that you can receive it today. This scripture calls it an amazing friendship with God. It says we are no longer content to simply say it in plodding prose. We sing 
and shout our praises to God through Jesus, the Messiah, the death-dealing sin, the life-giving gift. You know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we are in. We are in first sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone, but the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses, 14. Even those who didn't sin precisely. Okay, go on to 15. 16. 16. There is no comparison between that death-dealing scene, the life that we had before, and this new life that you have when you come to Christ, this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was death sentence, and the verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. 17. 18. Here it is in a nutshell. As one person did it wrong and got us all in this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. And more than just getting us out of it, he has given us what? Hallelujah. Clap, clap. It's good to clap for Jesus. Hallelujah. He has given us life. Are you enjoying that abundant life? Do you feel weighed down? Is circumstance determining your joy? Are you letting situation determine who you are? Are you enjoying the life? As we bow our heads, I want you to think very deeply. Do you have the life? Maybe some one day, sometime, you received that access to that life. You called on Jesus. And then he came. But right now, where are you at? Where are you at? Don't be ashamed to return to him. Have you been coming to church, but you have never invited that life? When you invite Jesus into your life, it's only him you are inviting, you know, the fullness of the Godhead. Don't be afraid to invite him. Some people are afraid. They'll say, oh, the, some people will now become part of my life. No, no, no. Let Jesus work that out. If you want this abundant life, you want to become that field that became priceless because of Jesus, today can be that day for you. Do you want to know him? Do you want to know him? If you want to, please signify by raising your hand. He's here. God bless you as you do. So I see those hands. God bless you as you do. So there's another hand there, sister. Look in front of you. Yes. I see those hands. Yes. Yes. Just lift your hand so they can give you a card. You're collecting a card because they'll be praying with you. They'll take your details. They'll take you. Yes. Yes. If you get the card, you can put down your hand. If you get the card, you can put down your hand. Is there anyone else here that wants Jesus to come into their life? It's a life-changing experience. It's a life-changing experience. Don't be ashamed. If there's a struggle in you, something is saying, no, don't accept him today. Don't let people laugh at you. Somebody will say, ah, you, can you live that life? He, no, don't worry about that. There's something about Jesus. Oh, you need to know this Jesus. How I love him. I love him. I can testify. I can testify. Please, if you lifted your hand, I don't know. Do they come out? Okay. If you lifted your hand, fill out the cards that, you know, you've been given. 
if there's anyone else here that hasn't lifted up their hands and knows that you don't have jesus please let today be that day i can tell you about this jesus i've never regretted having him i've failed him many times disappointed him but he has been wonderful is there anyone else is there anyone else please i know about this life i can share my experience with you if you want this jesus we are waiting for you for just a few minutes just lift your hands you'll put a card in your hand you feel it and then they'll talk to you later but we need to know so that we can be praying for you quiet oh how i love please if your experience with him is becoming boring today you can start again so talk to him everyone that thinks they have Jesus wait 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 if you have Jesus and you know that your life is but nobody's calling you out be true to yourself you know that you are not experiencing him anymore you are just coming to church ask him to start afresh with you ask him to start afresh there's another part of that song that says to me he is so wonderful and that's my testimony it's not even a joke so oh yes yes to me Him, talk to Jesus, talk to Him. Jesus. 